This week's guests juggle being partners in life and in business while being the fifth generation to lead a 150-year-old manufacturing company. We explore how they breathe new life into a legacy company and continue to build on its success. I'm Matt Mowry, Executive Editor of Business NH Magazine. I'm Christine Kerrigan, Chief Creative Officer of Business New Hampshire Magazine and Granite Media Group. And I'm Nathan Carroll, Chief Growth Officer of Granite Media Group and founder of Cardinal Consulting. And welcome to BizCast NH. So Uh we have two people who have chosen not only being business together, but in life together. Um, we've talked before. We've had other family, you know, um, family business businesses on about you know who we, I wouldn't be able to work with in my family. But I thought let's talk about who would you if you were going to go into business with anyone in your family? Who would it be, Christine? Who would you do it that with? Oh gosh, um, that's a tough one. I, I um, the thing the first thing that comes to mind, and I do have a, a small side business that I that I do have, and I have a young niece. She's twelve, uh, and she loves to help me with the business. So she loves to help me uh, uh, package products and and stock shelves. And at one point, she even told me that that I she was my business partner. So um, <laughs> I think I already have a business partner in my twelve year old niece. Um, so I think, uh, which actually I love because I would love to kind of teach her about it as she gets older and, and, um, you know, you'll be aspirational for her. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Nathan. Uh, could I like adopt someone and then they could work for me? Oh, Mike just raised his hand. I'll adopt Mike. And then Mike and I can go into business together. (laughs) I have a 14 year old. I'm very willing to lend out right now. I don't know. I don't know. That's tough. That's tough. I mean, well, but here's the thing. Like my, my what, four-year-old daughter could be like the little salesperson and spokesperson because she'll talk to anybody about anything. And my son could, you know, just be like the numbers guy and, and the, you know, the, the focus guy. And so maybe, maybe it's the kids. I don't know. But, um, uh, you know, like if it were my parents, no way. No, I'd be like, I love you dearly, but no, it's not <laughs> happening. No. And my uncle is a very successful business person and he can do his own thing. God bless him, you know? <laughs> um, but no, maybe, so maybe the kids, there's maybe a chance. Otherwise I'm going to, you know, I'll pull your son in or something. I don't know. Oh, good. Cause, um, <laughs> I was not going to answer my kids. Love them. But, um, between my youngest who every time I ask him something, he responds with what? <laughs> or my oldest who just wants to push back at everything. I'm like, yeah, I don't think that's going to work right now. But uh, I, I'm between my mom because um, she did have a catering business for a while. And I'd be so down with that because she does really good food. Um, and we're very much alike. I get my personality from her. So I think my mom um, or my wife. But uh, my wife is very logical. She's very much the opposite of me, uh, which is why our marriage works. I, I don't think she would choose me to go to business with them. <laughs> so while she's at the top of my list, I'm mm. not sure I'd be at the top of hers. Forced partnership. Oh, my God. We, no, it works really good for a marriage, but I think I might drive her crazy in business. <laughs> but you have you – have, uh, 
complementary skills. Yes, so, exactly. Yeah. That's, That's a nice works. way to say it, isn't it? Oh, my God. Well, oh, well I, you know I, what we're going to do now? It. We get to find out how uh, Aaron and Adria Bagshaw work together every day. So those are our guests this week. And Aaron proudly serves as the fifth-generation leader of WH Bagshaw Company, a business he co-owns with his wife, Adria, who's here as well. Aaron holds the title of president. His business card proudly reads Chief Visionary Officer. He oversees sales, marketing, and technology. His unwavering passion for managing Manufacturing and innovation is evident when you visit their historic 150-plus-year-old machine shop, which feels more like a startup. Interesting. Adria, as a vice president, focuses primarily on workforce and finance, though she carries the title chief validation officer. Fancy. While they maintain their distinct areas of responsibility, they share responsibility for quality and strategic planning. Together, they take immense pride in providing meaningful employment to over 30 employees. They preserve the cherished legacy of the family business for a prospective sixth generation. Aaron and Andrea are actively engaged in various advisory roles, including their participation on U.S. Senator Gene Shaheen's Small Business Advisory Council. Since its inception in 1870, W.H. Bagshaw has specialized in crafting specialty pins as a job shop manufacturer, diversifying into Swiss-style machining in 2005, and in 2021, they founded the Walter Bat Company, producing high-quality wooden baseball bats. And in 22, they're busy folks. They unveiled a state-of-the-art 10,000 square foot baseball and softball training center dedicated to serving the local community. How cool is that? Aaron and Adria, Ooh. welcome. That's a lot. That is wow. a lot. Thank but you. you know what? Are we'll you exhausted? When you, yeah, when you hear it like that. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. I'm going to go take a vacation. All, <laughs> shove it all in there and we'll break it all down. You guys are doing some great stuff. There's so much to talk about from family business to manufacturing, community service, and now baseball bats. Right. So first question, Aaron, I'll throw it to you. Um, growing up, was there an expectation, a pressure even to be the fifth generation or to run this family business? What was that like? No, no. <laughs> yeah, no, there wasn't. All right. Yeah, there wasn't. Um, and, you know, we we continue that today. Right. I mean, yeah. That's kind of the same approach that we're taking with the sixth generation. Mm -hmm. um, feel like if there is that pressure, you know, you don't want to do it, right? I mean, you're forced to do something. Uh, you're not going to want to do it. Um, so I wasn't forced. Um, it was an opportunity. Um, so the opportunity w was there. It was presented to me um, throughout my, my younger years. So, you know, the quick answer is, is no. Um, there wasn't pressure. Uh, so... We kind yeah. of, we kind of do the same thing. Right. So cool. Let's take a trip in the way yeah. back machine here, because you know journeys start well before you know you sign the, the papers to own a business. So I, I want to ask both of you. You know, what were your aspirations growing up, and what were your careers paths before you decided to take this on? Adria, do you want to go first? Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do in college, but the things I described were around management. Um, so I knew I wanted to be in a decision-making and leadership role and in charge of things. Um, never in a million years thought I would work in a factory. And right. That, that yeah. was my very first job out oh of college. Cool. Well, so when you were a kid, what was the dream? You know how we all have these, like, I'm going to be a... Yeah, I really, I didn't know what it would be called. I, you know, I aspired to be a lawyer. I think I wanted cool. to wear, 
you know, a nice suit. I wanted to have nice things. I, I envisioned a lifestyle, but mm-hmm. really didn't know what I would be doing to achieve that. Cool. Interesting. Yeah. Leave the door open as it were, huh? Yeah. Cool. Aaron, what was your career path? So I was in, um, cycling is, is one of my passions. So in high school, I started a cycling team in, in high school, um, continued that through, through college. So cycling was kind of the, the thread through, through it all. Um, team management, uh, race event promotion, um, a lot of that throughout my you know, younger years, even in high school, um, through college. So it was always <clears throat> involved with, uh, with teams, with organization, uh, with promotion, uh, marketing. So it was a big, you know, that, that thread kind of wove into and woven into the, the Bagshaw company where I was able to do a lot of the same things, right? Promotion, marketing, um, leading, uh, creating teams. Um, so it, it married well, but you know, the, the younger years for me was, was really dedicated to cycling. Well, and speaking of married, let's hear about how did y'all meet? (laughs) I want to know that story. It's a blind date. And we both knew that we were in manufacturing. Um, I knew he was in a family business. I knew he was a cyclist. I didn't know that he had just had long hair. That might have been a turnoff for me. I'm glad I didn't know that. Um, Could have been a deal breaker right off the bat. Yeah. I didn't have long hair when we met. No, no. no. Yeah. But if you you had, I might have been like, yeah, no, not my type. Not funny. Yeah, that's wicked funny. <laughs> it's just coming you out were right a here, right? away from not right? having the love of your life, right? And I, that, that, so, on our first date, we went to uh, a little Italian cafe in Tingsboro, which is no longer there. But I told her that I really love to read, and um, to this day, she just she still busts me on that one. <laughs> it right. might have been cereal boxes. But like, <laughs> I'm like, it. let's lay down and read, and he's like, what? I'm like, you said you love to read. Yeah, uh, he does. Total, bit, total but. sidebar, but it was at Cafe El Suppresso. Yeah. Yes. Oh my god, yeah. I love yeah. that place. And I still make <laughs> yeah. chicken verdicchio for a special occasion for us. Yeah, love that. Place. Our first meal together. Family was great. The yeah. family are. Yeah. So before we dive into how the two of you decide to take over the family business, talk a little bit about the family business, what it does, and what was it like at the at the time that you were considering taking it over. Um, good question. So what it was like, say 20 years ago. Yeah. So 20 years ago, we had, um, one new modern machine, if you call it that. Um, and what kind of, what products? Was yeah. I mean, out? primarily what we were doing at the time was, was grinding. It's a manual grinding process and we manufacture pointed pins for all different applications and industries. But the most common that you could share is a throwing dart, right? I mean, if you have a dart and you're throwing, you're throwing darts at a dartboard, that, that pin, that point is something that we manufactured for many, many, many years. And before that, when it was first started, I mean, you, it was kind of a heyday for the company because it was phonograph needles. Phonograph right? needles. Yeah, it was. A, it's a good point. It was a big heyday. So we have a we have a, a poster in our in our office that reads, uh, "Largest order ever on the face of the earth." And this was in 1920. Uh, we had an order for one billion seven hundred and fifty million phonograph needles. It was so such a new technology oh, came oh, out, I mean, and your family was on that cusp. Nineteen twenty, right? Everyone wanted a, a you know, a, a phonograph, right? They wanted a Victrola wind-up record player, some entertainment. It's like the the iPhone today. Everyone yeah. wants the new iPhone, right? So if you didn't have a needle, you couldn't play a record. Um, Did they have to replace those needles a lot? Yeah. Is that why the billions were ordered? Yeah. Okay. And in in our marketing days, we 
had a little tin that we would put 100 or 200 needles in. We'd sell those. And on the back of the tin, we said, please use each needle only once. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> it's great. Disposable Marketing. economy, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah before and we had it in three one. different languages. I mean, we exported all over the world. And so by the time um, 20 years Yeah, so years we go ago, 1920, right? So we got, if we go all the way up to, what do we call it? 2021, 20, 2001, when did we get our first Swiss machine? 2005. 2005. See, this is what so, I'm here for. Shit, this is what I'm here for. Just holding <laughs> things up. 2005. Um, right. So, you know, what we had is a, is a pile of prints. We, we operate on blueprints, right? Customers send us prints. We quote them. We win the job. We make the job. We ship the job. So I had a pile of prints on, on my desk that we couldn't make, right? But everyone was coming to us as the oldest pin makers in America the three of you sitting at this table might think a pin is completely different. Each of you would have a completely different idea right. of what a pin was. Um, so they were coming to us and we said, there's got to be a machine out there that allows us to capture some of this opportunity that's just sitting here for us. Um, so you were having to turn away some work because it wasn't absolutely. the type of pin that you did. Absolutely. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. They were more complex, more dimensions, tighter tolerances. Yep. Now at this point, are have you, are you the head of the company? Are you just, Working as a family member, what was in early two thousands? You were vice president. Your dad retired in oh seven. Yep, yep. And so, at what point you obviously you know had a critical choice to make if you're going to take over the company? Right. What was the company like then, and what was the discussions the two of you were having as to whether this was how you were going to go. I would say that the, so in, in 05 first Swiss CNC machine comes and it really has some, some potential for us when mm-hmm. we see that, right. We have 31 or 32 machines today. So the growth there really happened kind of rapidly. Um, and in that same time frame, we became members of the PMPA, which is the precision machined products association. Well done. Um, done. And, and I, I mentioned that because it really kind of aligned us with an industry and it really gave us a lot of momentum and a lot of, you know, a lot of meaning behind what we were doing before we were just pin makers and there weren't any other pin makers around. Um, but becoming members of the PMPA, there were other people that had the same machines that we do that were doing the same things and they were doing really well. So I think that gave us, I mean, would you, would you yeah, agree? It gave us confidence. It gave us sure. confidence. It gave us, it gave us some identity behind just be, you know, not just being pin makers, but being something more. And that really allowed us to see what we could, what we could become. And as a pin making company, how was the company doing at the time? Uh, was it keeping up? Was it falling behind? You know, what was the need for, moving the company forward in terms of innovation or doing something different as you were seeing the potential that was out there. So that kind of dovetails into our personal story and how I came on board. So Aaron came home in early 2004 mm-hmm. and I was that pregnant <laughs> and they'd met with their CPA and the CPA out in front of right. her. Um, <laughs> like two yoga balls. Okay. Yeah. So their CPA had said, you know, things don't look good, you need to start looking into bankruptcy. And Aaron came home devastated, you know, looking at his pregnant wife. I was working at a different manufacturing company. 
And as we talked about it, we realized, you know, a CPA only has one perspective, right? There, yeah. There's more to a business than just the financial. So as we talked through it, and I understood from him that there were more opportunities that they hadn't tapped into, that's when we decided that I should join the company. So that was never the plan. But the company was at a crossroads, and we decided then and there in 2004 to double down and put both of our, our incomes and livelihoods on the line. Wow. Talk um, about was, belief in yourselves. Yeah. Right? And that's the first of three times that we've doubled down during really hard times mm. and put our nets out and have not regretted it. Right. Yep. Yeah. What gave you that confidence? I mean, there's a lot going on there, right? I mean, you have a secure job. Um, you've got a baby on the way, very close. Um, a company that big question mark over it. What gave you the confidence that in, in yourselves to say, you know what, it's worth us investing in the family business and taking it over? Because there's a lot of people that have just said, nope, walking away. I think it was too right. important not to. Yeah. Opportunity, right? I, I think there was just so much opportunity in front of it, right? I mean, looking at the numbers, like Adria said, yeah, you can look at the numbers one way, but then there's opportunity on the other side of those numbers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I feel like you know, it's a good question because I feel like I want to say I'm a confident person, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. He's but absurdly that's, optimistic. But that's kind of a cop out, you know, because because <laughs> there's people that, that may not be and they're like, well, I don't want to hear that. That's That's just garbage, you know? I mean, I'm not confident. But I feel like nature in my own nature and who I am, I feel like I'm a confident person. So if there's an opportunity in front of that, yeah, we're going to go get it. Right. I mean, so, um, I don't know if that really answers the question, but I, you know, no, I think so. So, but I mean, within such a critical crossroads, what was it like to go to your board, to the employees at the time and say, we've got a different vision for this company. Yep. So and get them on board because yeah, even good changes we've said many times is really hard. Yeah, um, we we had a very disconnected board that was primarily older relatives who didn't understand business. There was one meeting where we were making the pitch to buy our first CNC machine, and we handed out a presentation which they'd never gotten before, and one of the old women said, "Oh." Calendars? <laughs> like she assumed it was, you know, a gift, and she wanted to know where her her director's pay was. And we're like, we're barely keeping this company afloat here, and we're trying to reinvest. And no, no calendar today, no lady. Yeah, today. that was yeah. that was a big turning point yeah, for so us. And- that was our second doubling down. Was in two thousand eight. We were able to buy out a forty two percent ownership block. Wow. Um, and they really had been controlling things because you know, just how the way boards work. So uh, with that, we were able to really take control of our destiny. In 2008, do you guys remember that year? Mm. It wasn't oh, yeah. great. It wasn't, yeah. mm-hmm. it wasn't a good year. Yeah. It wasn't like banks were lending a lot. How right. did you put together the the financing and to make that work? I mean, that's a huge move to do. Yeah, We, we had an angel we had, investor. We had or, someone who helped us with a bridge loan yeah. locally. Um, but really, we had an incredible banking partner. Um, and I, I can barely talk about the guy without getting emotional. Um, he passed away during COVID through something unrelated. But we were with Ray Lambert. Um, he had banked with Aaron's grandfather back in the day. He was, you know. A really just, long-term banking relationship. Yeah, yeah. But he was a quintessential banker, martini, martini lunch, suit wearing, gentleman. <laughs> He was phenomenal, and he he knew what we wanted to do and believed in us, and he helped back that deal and make it happen. 
It's it's difficult because if you as a family business and as a long old family business, um, I mean, if you're dealing with boards and ownership, I mean, all of family businesses go through this, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's people in the family that are that are siphoning money off, whether they're on the board and they mm-hmm. want to come and get their check every month or every every quarter, or every whatever it is. Yeah. Or if they're on payroll and have an office there. So, mm-hmm. so I mean, I'm, I'm yeah. sure people listening out out here that have family businesses are like, oh my God, I've got the same situation right now, you know? And it's so important for for the group that's running the business to own the business, right? Because if they don't, then there's, what's the motivation? So that was a big, big turning point for us when we grabbed the 42% ownership of, of the business. And then from that point on, we were looking to get the, the rest of the ownership because we really felt it was important that us, as the, the two that were running the company, own the company as well. Do you guys want to take a guess what year we went from 42 to 100? Another crossroads? Five years. Okay, <laughs> that was yeah, that's going to be the first wow. guess. Wow. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so... Yeah. Okay. I was trying to think of the next big crisis that came out. I was right? going to say, so you're mm-hmm. facing one of the deepest recessions we face, and you're like, oh, Ooh. that's our time to go for, you know, this big chunk of the company. And then, so you wait till a p- global pandemic? <laughs> Yeah. We were applying yeah. for PPP loans right. and this was it. the shareholders again didn't understand. They were unwilling to share information and sign off on things. Wow. And we just looked at each other and we're like, we gotta we gotta make a go of this now. Like mm. we can't we can't have the distraction. We can't have them holding us back. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got very, very busy in twenty twenty making ventilator parts. So oh, wow. um we were able to buy additional machines and add capacity, and we did amazing work hiring people remotely and onboarding them from a distance. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, you know, we were able to pull off a really big increase um, to our production and revenue, and use the profits from that to take care of the rest of the shareholders. Which, so, oh, go ahead. How do you find that happy medium then, where you know you're trying to? please your shareholders and make sure that they're happy with the return, but also grow the company and take those risks that you don't know may or may not pay off. You know, where is that, where's that balance where you're able to grow while still. Yeah, we, we really, and that's why we couldn't believe they were so concerned about it. We haven't paid dividends in years. All of our money has gone back to our employees and our equipment and just reinvesting in the business. Small business, small family business. Um, you know, it just, it, it didn't make sense to, to be operating that way. Yeah. 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 Do you, um, so no board of directors now, right? Yeah. We have a loose kind of board of advisors. Okay. That's what I was, that's what yeah. I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Because so, yeah. so from a structure standpoint, a, a lot of companies, they'll bring in or put together yeah. a board of advisors, which does not yeah. vote that they, yep. they literally just advise. Um, and were you able to sort of handpick those folks and yeah. what, what are they giving you now yep. uh, in terms of value? Well, we've got folks who coach us and are there from a manufacturing and supply chain standpoint, from a financial standpoint, we rely heavily on our trade organization. Um, We've been participate, we've always participated um, electronically and through webinars and what we could, but for the past two or three years, we've been physically going to three meetings a year with them. Um, They invited me to be on the board and I thought, you know what, this is going to keep us accountable. Now I have to show up. And it has paid off so much with the relationships we've built and just being able to talk to other business owners and find out, you know, what we're going through, other companies have gone through. Right. 
Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, There's you know, reaching out laterally out is really important. Nice. So uh, I want to back up a little bit because, you know, you're talking about 2020 and this incredible <laughs> Uh, feat that you took on to own oh your company. God, yeah. And, you know, it's like, wow. oh, we did this, we did this, we did this, we did this. But and let's back boom. up a little bit because that was a lot to take on itself. But you are manufacturing. You cannot work completely remote, obviously. You had to have people in. You were dealing with how to keep your people safe during pandemic. What did it take to keep operations going while you're trying to purchase the rest of your company? So I it was always, crazy. yeah, it was, I it always was crazy. said during the time, like, I don't know if we're making the right decision, but we're making the best decision with the information yeah. we have right now. Love and in, in hindsight, and I think about like daily, yeah, right? It like, changed weekly, daily. We mm-hmm. locked up the masks and then we made people wear the masks and then we, <laughs> you know, it, we went around and around. But what we were finding was our machinists weren't really bought into, some of them were, but not all of them were mm-hmm. bought into social distancing And every time I went on the floor, I found them too close. They didn't need to be close. So um, we just realized kind of approaching late March, early April, that we needed to really make a bold statement. So we said, if you weren't physically touching the product, you're working remotely. So we all worked remote for over a year. Um, Our office manager would go in once a week and gather up the mail and take care of what she needed to paperwork-wise. She'd come by our house and we'd sit outside. (laughs) We would sign and stuff checks together and keep things moving. Um, But it really pushed us to get more electronic, more streamlined. We implemented a new, um, you know, web-based HR platform, really put in some great improvements. Um, And it also had us changing how we looked at the manufacturing floor Mm. because before it was no headphones, no cell phones. We said, all right. You guys are isolated. You may have one <laughs> AirPod in. Yeah. Um, so you can listen to music or a podcast so you don't feel so isolated. You are welcome to call one another if you need to troubleshoot or problem solve together, but you need to stay mm. six feet apart. Um, and I think once we all left the office, they really began to understand that. So we would go in and like bring in gift cards and hand things out in the parking lot. There were days that we would hand out lunches and I'd be like, Oh my God, there's some strange man coming over here to steal. Oh no, he works for us. <laughs> you know, because we hired people over Zoom. There was one guy, one guy I totally adored. We had such a good interview with him. And when we met him in person, he's like, You had no idea I was this short. I'm like, No, we didn't. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, but we did a, I think the team did a really good job relationship building. And I hope in hindsight, you know, I believe that we did a good job supporting our people. We brought in a lot of food, a lot of breakfast, a lot of gift cards. We worked with LaBelle for a long time, bringing the family, family bringing meals. The family yeah. meals. Yeah. So we've talked about the milestones that you've hit in, in, in taking over full ownership of your company. But let's talk about how the company itself and the products that you're doing has evolved over 20 years. What what is the vision you brought to the company and where are you at today? Right. Good good question. So I would say that historically we were serving textile companies, mm-hmm. textile mills, right? Um, there aren't too many of those left. So are these um, kind of like industrial sewing needle? Yeah, the more like more for the earlier in the process. So opening and combing fibers. So gotcha. there's these massive oh, gosh, cylinders yeah. with, with pins sticking out of them. Um, so we started making that in 1870 and made that up until, you know, a year ago. Um, so that's, those are pins that are still being utilized today in the industry. Um, 
And, you know, in between there, there were a few other, you know, industries that we were supporting, hand tool industry. Uh, we'd make uh, ice picks and picks for snap-on tools and things like that. So um, those guys have, have gone away or, or they're going into, you know, um, lower-cost provider nations where they're, where they're sourcing their, their materials and stuff. Um, really what we're looking at now is, is serving the aerospace, medical defense industries, like Adria said, with, with high-end components that make high-end machines or things work, right? So, so we're going from parts that were pennies to parts that are dollars, right? So right. The, the difference in part because of what it is, it's a critical part. It's a critical element of something that costs millions of dollars, right? And if this part isn't manufactured correctly, this million dollar piece of equipment is not going to work correctly. So you but you better make sure your little part is made right. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, as far as vision goes and, and where we want to be and what we want to be serving and who we want to be making parts for, I mean, those are the three big ones. So we've, we've talked a lot about, uh, well, what, what was really neat is to hear sort of how you um, amped up your, we'll call it uh, engagement with your employees, even during COVID and, and the meals and, and kind of making sure that they were okay, as it yeah. were. Um, outside of COVID, what is it like to work at Bagshaw? You've so, got about 30 employees, right? Yeah, we're yeah. around 30 so right now. So tell us kind of a little bit about like em employee culture and just what it's like to work there and, and uh, that environment. So when I check in with people after their first week, second week, third week, um, they say, oh, my God, everyone's so friendly. <laughs> and, you know, I just take our environment for granted. So it's always good to hear that. Um, you know, we, we have expectations and we set them, but we can't maintain them, right? It's up to the employees to keep that in check. Um, so we talk at orientation and even during the interview about our core values, the first one being family, another one's empowerment, um, Courage and perseverance. Ooh. Perseverance has been a big one for us. Courage, right? Mm -hmm. At all these different yep. different turning points that we've had. And then the last one is make it happen, which is just a mentality. We did, we did a bunch of work off-site. And when did we do it? 2010. 2010. She's so um, good with this stuff. Oh, my you God. It's, around, it's crazy. Wow. Validation. Get that girl a raise. Chief validation <laughs> officer. Does she validate you all the time? Yes, too? 100%. Of does, yeah. Yes. So we did this work off-site, and we brought, we had some longtime employees that had been with us for many years. And we went to a, an airport hangar over at the Nashua Airport, and we did this work in really kind of discovering what our core values were as a company, right? And at that time, we were a 140-year-old company. Um, so we brought everyone in or, you know, a handful of people, maybe 15 people or so, and, and we spent the day there and we talked about what our core values were from, from their standpoint, right? And, mm -hmm. and, and we developed them as a team. And I think they're really reflective of who we are. And, yeah, and, and, and we talk it, about it. Annually. I mean, I talk about it every time I do new hire training and when we have to make a decision or change benefits or policies. We talk yeah. about them all the time. But annually we say, are these still the right ones? And yeah, they really right. are. Right. And if you go back to Walter Henry, I mean, <clears throat> those core values, would you'd, you'd have to have those or some or some aspect of those core values Absolutely. in order to maintain yeah. yeah. And of course, Walter Henry being the WH of WH Backshaw, yes. which we'll yes. get to in a little bit too yeah. for more of that. But um, so to so the you mentioned uh, off air, and I want to give you an opportunity to talk about this, Adria, is um, and we've talked about it a lot here on the podcast, but you're also a recovery friendly workplace. Um, and so that 
is something that gets weaved into sort of the culture of the business of the business. Um, and so what does that help you to do as a business now that you are a recovery friendly workplace? Well, it really puts our families first, right? And makes them know that we don't look at them like a set of hands. Mm. They're not just a machine operator. We understand that they have lives and stressors outside of work. Um, so we do a lot of training around that. Um, when I first heard about it, I thought, well, we can't do that. We're manufacturing. Mm. Because I was hearing about the model where a business will spring up like a call center, and they particularly work with people in recovery. And that's their business model. I'm like, well, we can't do that. We can't find people <laughs> as it is, let yeah, alone right. trying to focus on a subset of the population. Um, but as I dug more into it, we were already doing a lot of it. We'd had an employee on second shift that we discovered had been drinking. And rather than just fire him, we said, you're a part of our family. We're worried about you. If you can talk honestly about what's going on and we can work together on a recovery plan for you, we'll hold your job. He was unwilling to do it, but that that was our mindset, uh -huh. and that's what it means to be recovery-friendly. You make accommodations. Yeah. We're not perfect. Mm -hmm. We still have people using language that is offensive to some. Um, but, you know, when we hear someone talk about a crack addict, we stop and say, is there a way you can rephrase that? That's upsetting to someone in recovery because mm. do you realize that someone's sister or daughter? Yeah. You know, think about that being a human being and how you yeah. can approach that a little bit more constructively. Well played. Yeah. Well played. So we've done yeah. we've done a lot of training, um, not only through the resources that are available through the program, but we on our own we've brought in a few different local leaders to do work on stress management. Um, yeah, around stress management. Yeah. A few different people have done yeah. that. That's excellent. It's a great way to show that you're you care about your employees as full people and not just what they can do for the company, but who they are as full people. Um I wanted to switch gears a little bit. So I know we talked about um, we've talked about Bagshaw and and what you've been through in in uh, the past at least twenty years and and so on. Um, but in twenty twenty one, you had started the Walter Bat Company. Um, so looking at it from the outside, it's it, you can't really make the leap from pins and needles to baseball bats. So can you talk a little bit about what that what that experience was like and what that journey was like and how you came to uh, producing baseball bats. So I'll preface it with the fact that we had very successfully bought one of our customers out, a very small business making ice picks. So we had been making the blades. So instead, we also bought the handles and assembled them. It's been great work for our employees. Great to have an identity. Everyone knows what an ice pick is. We had that success behind us, right? We also had a really empowering and successful 2020. So that's where our heads were at when an opportunity came our way. Oh, that's a segue for me? That's oh, yeah. it. <laughs> See? And here's the handoff. Right. This she just tossed this that to you. Right? We got a so, oh, yeah, that's great. That's great. <laughs> I would also say that we we had participated in a in a family business um, workshop, workshop at Babson. Mm. And our son at the time was a junior in high school. And it was it was eye-opening to see what these families, it was families from all over the world, but they were involved in so many things. It wasn't just one business. Like yeah. they had so much going on. So that was in the back of my mind. Um, 
so we had uh, there was an opportunity. Our sons, our son plays baseball. His pitching coach at the time had this uh, kind of you know garage baseball bat company, and he wanted to focus on on his coaching. And he had all this equipment and a few customers, and he was making some bats. And we thought about it, and we said, you know what, this 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 could work. This could be a thing. Um, so we, we bought that we bought the business, cool. um, equipment, we bought a zoo. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and he was, he was great. He handed it off to us and, 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 um, and, and now we're making wood baseball bats and it, it's really been an amazing project, um, with the community, with, with the people that we're selling these bats to and, and the conversations that we have and the quality of the product that we're putting out there um, is really, it's it's top notch. This is, you know, these baseball bats could be used in Major League Baseball games. It's, nice. you know, it's the best wood, um, maple and birch that, that you can buy. Um, the bats look beautiful. I mean, there's, there's so many wonderful things about the bats that we're making, but it's really the community that that's around us that has embraced us, um, and and really kind of pushed us a little bit, you know, it's been, it's been really nice. Yeah. So there was a lot more to it than we realized, (laughs) but but on the positive side as well, we've had a really beautiful partnership with the Nashua Silver Knight. So we've, um, we've provided their bats, we've sponsored them, we've been at their games, we've had tents set up. Um, we've been really, really involved in their general manager, Cam Cook is helping with our training center, um, managing all of our coaches and programming for this season. There's a really neat um, marriage between the two businesses, right? So on on our WH Bagshaw side, we use lathes. Yeah. So the lathe turns the material, makes the part. It's all metal, some plastics. On the Walter Bat side, it's a lathe that turns the wood and makes the bat. So it's basically, basically, uh, air quotes, you guys can't say <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's basically the same principle and concept right. as wood bat, to WH Bagshaw. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask you if it was like CNC or if it was lathe. Yeah, or, yeah so C- that's it's cool. a CNC wood bat lathe. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, we've always opened our doors to students coming in. Not all of them really care about CNC machining, but when you start in the bat oh. area and they watch the wood turn into a bat, which they can touch and hold, and they everyone swung a bat. So they get that. And then they're cool, right? They're like our different finishes. So Mm -hmm. they get really fired up about that. So now their wheels are turning and you can bring them over to the CNC department and show them. And now all of a sudden the process makes sense. So they're, they're bought in. Yeah. But, and forgive the phrase that like, this ain't your grandfather's manufacturing. Right. 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 And, and as, as is important with a lot of those trades, right. So that these kids just don't think it's some stodgy, like I'm just gonna, you know, break my body and, and have it be terrible. But like, there's a career here. There's technology that's used, right. Manufacturing sexy now. It is sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And you've invested heavily in technology. I mean, that's one of the things that you really brought to the company. How many CNC machines are you up to now? I think 32. <laughs> 32. Yeah. I yeah. mean, the manufacturing floor has just completely transformed. It looks drastically different today. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and how does that, you know, you talked about having kids and, you know, one of the struggles that manufacturing has had over the years is... Um, it's not exactly the industry that parents are pushing their kids into because they have this antiquated notion of what manufacturing looks like. How do you overcome that? What What are some of the misconceptions people have about manufacturing versus what does the manufacturing floor of today look like? 
I think, like Adria said, getting getting kids in the door is really the first step for us. And Walter Bat has been a real nice segue for that. Get him in the door. Looking, oh, what are all those machines over there? Oh, well, okay. So that that's the first step, I think, for us. That's what I would say. Yeah, and what I like to explain, and you know, I can't talk to all manufacturing because the majority of my history in manufacturing has been in a machine shop setting. But mm. what I tell parents is, if you've got that kid who's really bright and really understands numbers, but doesn't want to be at a desk, maybe they like to take things apart and put them together. CNC machining is perfect. You're moving around, you're hands-on, you're problem-solving, you're using your brain, you're dealing with numbers, you're imagining you know, things geometrically. It's a really, really great field. And you know, a really good seasoned machinist who's doing programming is making six figures today. And I, I would say not even, just not even CNC machining, manufacturing in general, mm-hmm. right? Get those kids into manufacturing. It could be, you could be at one of a million different companies, right? Not just, not just seeing, but so just get your kids into, into manufacturing. It's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful industry and opportunity. Well, speaking of Without which, student loan debt. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah. um, speaking of getting kids into manufacturing, um, you have a sixth generation um, and that may... If uh, may yep. decide to not be, not by any pressure from mom and dad, of course, right. uh, may decide to be part of the business. Um, what do they think about all this so far? That was part of the connection, right, with Walter Bad, um, and we by no means started the business to, to tease something up. No pun intended for our son, <laughs> um, but you know it's it's in our DNA and it's a shared passion in our family. We all mm. love baseball, um, so we recognize that it may provide some additional opportunity. He happens to be studying exercise science. Because of community demand and request, we opened a training center. We had the space and, and the availability. So he's done a lot of work there, um, giving lessons and doing workshops. And our daughter worked there all last season, um, managing not only the desk you know, during a given shift, but she's done she a lot was of work. At work yesterday. Yep. Doing yeah. a lot of work with social media. Oh, nice. Yeah, let's explore that though. I mean, talk about never standing still. All right. Yeah. So 2022, you opened, what, what, what on earth possessed you to go, you know what? We, we need another big project. What prompted the development of this training center? So well, really is the community and, and the opportunity to get people with a Walter bat in their hand. Right, yeah. so we we have the batting cages uh, upstairs. There's there's a retail section. So you know there's a weight room. There's a stretching area. There's a, there's a whole there's a whole thing up there. So it, it really allows us to reach out to the community and have teams come in and work out and swing and work on their game and and train and get better and. Um, it really, it, it's a great marriage for us because we want people to know about Walter Bat, and it allows them to become better athletes and better people. Well, I'm going to take that prompt to go back to the word marriage. Um, I mean, it's very obvious that this is a shared passion that you've had each other's backs over the years to overcome obstacles. So how are you making it work? I mean, there are times business partners can get on each other's nerves. There's certainly times when husbands and wives get on each other's nerves. But it's very obvious that you've worked together through some very tough times. What has been key to making sure that that partnership at all level remains intact? We have to laugh. Oh, my God. Do we ever laugh? Good. <laughs> um, aside from keeping a sense of humor, um, I would say maintaining our own realms and I think we, we wobbled a little bit at the beginning 
when I was stepping into his lane and vice mm. versa. Ooh, yeah. stay in so, your lane. You know, and we, <laughs> <laughs> we've learned, you know, you can't, you can't like let little things fester, you know, things that you may stew about all day long, like something that happens in the morning. You can't do that when you're walking to work, right? So you have to address that um, and you have to address it privately and constructively and move on because your team's going to know if yeah. there's a little rush going on. Yeah. 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 And our, you know, there's nothing more important than our workplace being fun. The management team we have now has been together for six years. Like, it's amazing. We, we did add an admin a, a year ago. Um, but our core management team, our full-time office staff, has been six yeah, plus years. Yeah, I love, them. love yeah. them all. Nice. It's awesome. Nice. Um, you guys have had a lot of success. You've, you've endured a lot. You, you've created a lot. Um, have you failed at anything? And if so, what have you learned from that failure? Ooh. That's a good I, know. One. I know. Just yeah. throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah um, definitely. Definitely so failed. So to be transparent, you yeah. know, the bat production didn't take off. Our, our sales haven't been quite at the, the scale we would like, mm. um, partly because we're trying to figure it out. There's so much more involved than we realized. I thought we'd just make a bunch of bats and put them on our website and people would buy them. There are so many variations. We do have some stock bats, but for the most part, people really want what they want. So trying to figure out our niche still two years in and, and how we're going to position ourselves and who we're going to sell to. And maybe we need to stop being the provider of, you know, the very custom specific your own model bat. Mm, sure. Um, and we can still easily do trophy bats. We do a lot of those um, award bats, cool. commemorative bats. But um, I, I would I would say so failure wise, um, purchase some machines that we don't use. I purchased a bunch of cleaning equipment, um, trying to update and and modernize our, our cleaning and, and scouring department. Mm. Um it was pretty expensive and we don't use the machines. They're just sitting, they're just sitting oh, there. Wow. Um, I say that would be a failure, but we're, we're still trying to use them. Mm -hmm. Just it's, it wasn't a good, it wasn't a good exercise. Um, we sold our building. Yeah. But then we didn't sell our building. <laughs> deal fell through. <laughs> right. I was like back yeah. in 2012, <laughs> I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, made a deal that fell failure, through. It was, that, was, that was stressful, very stressful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aaron actually went motionless in mute for I did? minutes. Yeah. It, it was like, um, the friend in Ferris Bueller. Oh, <laughs> he, he, went, he went like Cameron. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Bueller. 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 Uh, I had another one in there too. Um, yeah. So there's been, there's been failures. There's How been did failures. you bounce back from them? How'd you make sure that they didn't derail you? I, I think it's my energy. I, you know, I, You've got there's some still energy, opportunity, sure. right? I mean, yeah. I had, there's still opportunity. Um, so I, I guess that's, I'm, I'm always looking at the other side. Well, and I think having a married couple working together allows a lot more honesty, right? So we can go home and like really hash out. Like we took on a lot last year and, you know, some things that we had planned didn't work out. And, you know, it's not him doing it in a vacuum, Right. We have each other, and when I'm down, he's up, and vice versa. So mm. I think just having the synergy between us keeps us, you know, always moving forward. Right on. I have another failure. Okay. This, this, this <laughs> better not be about me. This, this is, this is a big one. This is a big one. And okay. I think it's a good lesson for, for 
for maybe the listeners out there. Great. Um, I'm terrified right now. What are you talking about? <laughs> raise your prices. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, and we have, we have wonderful customers. I'll, I'll preface it with that. We have really good customers. Um, but we hadn't raised prices since 2017. And, On a few of them. Yeah. The big ones. And looking at the numbers, it, it was it was drastic. And and we had to do something. We had to raise our prices. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, and, and we the more we had that conversation with a few of our peers, they were like, oh, my God, we haven't either. 2017 mm. was like this magic number where people hadn't touched prices because I think of COVID. Right. So all of this happened, right? And and we were, we were you know, full bore at, yeah. at during COVID making, making parts um, for ventilators. So it, it, you know, that was a big, the time lapse was too much for us. Mm. So. Did um, you find any pushback from clients having to there was There was some negotiation, um, but. We had to do a lot of work validating, you yeah. know, how insurance, utilities, wages, yeah. material, everything yeah. and, had gone And a lot of folks said, yeah, we were surprised. We were surprised we didn't see a, a price increase from you sooner. So, I mean, that's that's a failure, I, I would say, on my part. So, and, and my failure, looking at the finances, I knew things were off, and I thought I knew a couple of reasons why, but I hadn't quite connected the dots on that as early as I should have. We obviously did, but... What a buzzkill, huh? Well, <laughs> so, but Come can we on, talk Matt. about our first date again? Hey, he asked the question. Oh, I did. I did. No, don't throw Matt under the bus. Sorry. But, but if we hadn't all met, I wouldn't. So, uh, because I, mean, I, I think there's times we don't talk about failure in business. No, right. Because right. It happens. Yes. It's where you learn yes. and hopefully recover from yeah. and yeah. move forward stronger. Yeah. Um, and I think too many times we, we we go about pretending that success comes without it. You know that it, everything just happened perfectly when in fact it didn't. Right. Mm. And the fact that it's important to share those stories of you can overcome these things and this is how you overcome them. And yeah. I think there needs to be more sharing. Of yep. Yeah. And I think shame comes into it really quickly yes. when things aren't going oh, yeah. well. You keep your head down. You keep to yourself. You're embarrassed. And we we were in that mode for longer than we needed to be. The minute we asked for help, things started to turn around. And Matt, you know the first call we made, right? Yeah. SBDC. Yeah. <laughs> and I was going to yeah. ask about that. We you, still are heavily involved, yeah. And you, you've been on the board of SBDC. Mm-hmm. Um, you've been involved with the Family Center at UNH. Can mm-hmm. you talk about some of the resources that you have, these resources you have been involved with and how they have helped you as a, a business owner and as a company? So through all of the junctures that we've talked about, including starting Walter Bat, we've utilized the SBDC. Um, when we realized that things were out of alignment with our financials early this year, we immediately called um, Hollis McGuire, our local um, consultant and advisor. So Who we is were, also our consultant, too. Yeah. She's <laughs> amazing. Awesome. She's great. She's good, good. The absolute best. But you know what? They, they really all are. I mean, I've right. we've talked to a bunch right. of the advisors. They're all really, really high quality. Um so once we started working with her, you know, we had a plan and, and we dug out. Um, they were absolutely invaluable during COVID, helping mm, us navigate sure. all the different programs and, and rules. Um, we do as many workshops as we can with the Center for Family Enterprise. Um, when we were ready to buy out our shareholders, we went straight to them and utilized um, Everett. Everett, who does family business, cons- do you know him? I Everett don't. Matoiza? Everett Matoiza? Oh no. my God, he's yeah. a legend. Yes, awesome. yeah. I've worked with him awesome. through the magazine, and yeah. uh, he's provided our readers with 
wonderful he insights. He was critical with our buyout. He was critical. Nice. He was just a wonderful person. So we actually have um, a half day blocked off the week of Thanksgiving when our son is home, and he's going to meet with the four of us. Our daughter's 16, our son's 19. So the four of us are going to have a family business meeting. and With everybody. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So cool. we utilize them a lot. Um, and then our trade organization, we're doing a lot of work with them and, you know, helping out identify resources and topics that we need to, um, important topics that need to be heard. But through my board meeting with them last month, I was shocked. I was talking about the Small Business Development Center, and I'm in a room full of other business leaders. Not a single person mm-hmm. knew about mm-hmm. it. I'm like, Isn't that crazy? Wow. Yeah. You guys, it's free and really good. Best kept secret yeah. that they don't want to be a secret, but there right. are still so many people that don't. Yeah. yeah. And there's such invaluable advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I just had a, a really cool opportunity um, through Mike Vlasic. He Mm-hmm. was recently the regional director for the SBA. He nominated me, and I was recently appointed to be on the national board for the Small Business Development Congratulations. Center. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank nice. you. Um, we don't even have to insert. We don't even have to put sound bites in. That's great. We got it all ourselves. <laughs> really, Thank congratulations. You. That is awesome. That is awesome. So I'm excited to hear what the centers are doing in other parts of the country and bubble up needs that I'm hearing from, you know, local manufacturing, mm-hmm. local small business. So nice. So before we wrap up, it's very obvious you have an eye on the future. You're having the next generation meeting already. Um, so as you look at your long-term plans, um, what does the next 20 years look like? I know you're not playing that far events, but, but what do you hope to, to, to bring this company forward to? So there were, Five things that we needed to take care of. Um, for a long time, we had a pension. We resolved the fact that it was um, underfunded. So we took care of our pension in 2007 or eight. We took care of ownership. That was two. We still aren't in the right building for where we ought to be. Oh, interesting. That's going to be a long-term mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the last thing we really want to do is scale the business. We'd like to be double. Do you want to talk to that, Aaron? No, we want to double the size of our business. Yeah, bam. <laughs> bam. And, and, and yeah, I won't, I we mean, won't drop a oh, mic because oh, yeah. these are very nice mics, <laughs> yeah. but that was almost right. a mic drop moment. Well, I mean, of course, there's a tremendous amount of, you know, information behind all of that and, and energy and stuff we have to do. Mm. Um, but that's out there. That's Yeah. Where, and you've got your eye on it. Yeah. And that's the yeah. first part. I, right? I just sent an email to one of our customers yesterday. I said, this is our plan. If you've got a bunch of parts, we're getting ready. So. Yeah, so through through our trials and some misfires, we've learned that things cannot work out and you live to see another day, right? Mm-hmm. So we're trying having a full-time sales role, someone who's added to the staff, no other responsibilities. They'll do a few other things, but your role is purely going out and finding new business for us. It's a gamble, right? We're, we're, it's like buying a new machine. We're going to be making an investment for a while before we know if there's a return, but... I keep thinking, you know, what's the alternative? Like we've right. got to try this. Right. And we, we have the perfect candidate. We've already got yep. someone, you know, signed up, ready to do it. Um, and I just keep thinking, part of me worries. And I'm like, oh, my God. But, but imagine if it works out. And I think it will. Mm. Agreed. But yeah. didn't you say that about something else earlier in one of your, uh, you know, these, these milestones in the companies? Imagine if it works out or, yeah. oh, my God. And you know what? 
Yeah. More power to you. You just got to manifest it and it's going to be happening. Exactly. So good for you guys. Put that on the vision board. There it is. Absolutely. Aaron and Adria Bagshaw are WH Bagshaw Company and Walter Back Company. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you, learn from you, and get to know you. Thank you so much. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed the stories and information you heard on today's podcast, find more by subscribing to Business NH Magazine or visiting businessnhmagazine.com. I'm Matt Mowry. And I'm Nathan Carroll. BizCast NH is a production of Granite Media Group.